At T-Mobile for Business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction, and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device acquired. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Stick to. Pressing record, pressing record is step one, but like dot speaking gibberish in theory is step two, I guess. Especially in the intro. Speaking of which, at this point, should we have just like a canned intro of like, it just plays the intro? We did. I know we have the intro music. No, I know I have the intro music, but like, should like the walk into the episode be pre recorded? No. I'll keep you on your toes that way. I mean, how I, else is he going I mean, to? Well, if, if, if we pre-recorded, pre- pre- so. it might actually sound good. Ooh, let's just roll with that. Yeah. Let that be the intro. <laughs> Let that be the intro <laughs> to Applied bring in the closers. Burned area, as you heard, Ben Samuels was murdering me offline, and we will bring that online. It's uh, Ryan Ray alongside Ben Samuels, and. Uh, you know, I was kind of upbeat about this episode, but now Ben has shown that the the cannons are loaded, the tubes are flooded, he's ready to roll. So yeah, 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 I'm ready. He's in his uh, million dollar suit over there with his three million dollar headphones in his thirteenth mansion across the United States and parts unknown. Ben, it would be good to see you, but it's not. So how are you doing? Not that I care. I mean, if you don't care, we can just jump into it. It's okay. okay. Uh, we, can jump, yeah. we can talk about Nate. We, we can talk about Nate for a minute if you want to. Um, I should say real quick, as an, as an aside, that I um, I got a podcast review on my other show that called me a podcasting god. So just keep that in mind. A little respect here, if you Ryan, could. it's a podcasting god. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been confirmed. So anyways, uh, Ben, since you are in one of those moods today, we're going to get into it, get you out of here as quick as possible. You said, quote, I'm ready for whatever you throw at me. So that's what you told I me did. before the show. I, as I wrote it, I knew it was a mistake. Um, but but that is true. I did say that. So let's see what you can let's see what you can come up with. I'm curious. Yeah, one of the thing got? yeah, one of the things that bugs me about you is that you habitually offline berate brokers and you have this awful distaste for them. We're not letting the facts get in the way of a good story, so let's don't interrupt me, please. And, you know, I have a love for brokers. I love people in general. I'm a people person. Again, facts, story. So, Ben, walk us through <laughs> how much of that is not true, A, and then B, <laughs> what's the deal with brokers? Oh, that's open-ended. And, I mean, you're right. I probably have some some fiery takes on the subject. Um yeah, I think let's let's step back for a second and define some terms so that we can just kind of have a conversation about it. So, so when I'm talking about broker, when we're talking about broker in this sense, what we're talking about is anybody that is in the middle of 
contacts that have deal flow and asset owners and potential buyers or investors. Anybody that's in the middle of that Venn diagram that's trying to put those two parties together in one way or another. And the reason I say it that vaguely is because, and it's, you know, it's hard for me to codify without talking about a specific example, but you know, when I think about a broker, I'm think, you know, the connotation in my head is someone that's trying to kind of stick their finger in, in, in the middle of a deal to, to carve off a fee, but may or may not actually be providing true value to the process and to the transaction. And something that I've been consistent about since day one on the podcast is anything that I do or anything that somebody does in business, I'm of the opinion that it should be actually providing and delivering a true value add to the process or to the business or to the service or to the product. And that's really where the money should be made. And so kind of with that overarching theme, um, you know, it's it can be as simple as, so mineral owner X, who happens to have some property in Horseshoe Bay is on vacation and their neighbor is a quote unquote broker in the oil and gas business. And, and the asset owner says, you know, says in conversation, Hey, I own 300 mineral, uh, mineral acres in, in these counties. Do you think you can sell that for me? The, the broker in this sense doesn't have any direct end buyer contacts. And so he would reach out to somebody like myself or like, like you and say, Hey, I've got a buddy or I've got a contact or I've got a family friend, whatever, you know, what have you that has this asset what can we do with it? And you, know, uh, or, and you and I would say, you know, absolutely, that, that sounds interesting. Just send me what you have. And then I cannot tell you how many times I've had some conversations like that with, with a new quote unquote broker and the feedback that I get or the deliverable, I should say, that I get back is literally, I'm not joking, you know, 12 to 17 emails that have no body in the subject whatsoever that are just one page cell phone snapshots that somebody clearly just didn't take the time to either package it up into one PDF and send it as one in one attachment as a PDF or, or you know, is just kind of firing off an email and the intermediary. And then when a deal closes, they expect to be taken care of the same way that somebody like myself would that, you know, that took the time to do the research, build out some models, put it on a map, uh, took, the, took the few. And sometimes it's, 15, 20 minutes of work. Sometimes it's, you know, can be dozens of hours. It, it depends. But at a, at a high level, what I'm talking about when I have a, a pushback against brokers is I feel like there's very few that take that role and actually try to provide value. And then in addition to that, a lot of times, you know, the broker in the middle can be the defect in a deal because they have an ego or they have a a certain way they want to do business so that, and I was actually just in a deal just last month where, where I degree to a degree, this happened where I was the, I was the, the buyer on an asset. I was trying to talk to the owner. We had networked through actually a mutually known uh, broker or contact in the middle. And there were multiple times after contracts were signed, fees were agreed upon, everything was in place that I asked to talk to the, um, uh, the seller and, and was told I couldn't because the broker wanted to be in control of the chain of communication. And there were a few different times where the deal actually was almost genuinely lost after I had put down considerable earnest money. The deal was almost lost because the broker wasn't actually saying to the seller what I was saying and vice versa. I wasn't actually getting verbatim. I was kind of getting the, the broker's take on the situation. And that could have actually killed a multi-million dollar deal that... Uh, so. Zooming forward on that specific one, we actually closed it on Friday, so I was pretty pretty happy about that one. But it took a lot longer than it needed to. 
We paid attorneys way more than they earned. It, it, it dragged on. It, it made the seller actually, I, I now have a little bit more color on the back end. It made the seller pretty uncomfortable because a lot of the things that the broker was saying, he was saying them as if I was saying them, but I wasn't. But but the broker was kind of playing games in the middle, trying to put it together because he thought he knew better. And I know this is a long-winded example, but I'm kind of picking at a couple of different things in the process that, you know, so when somebody asks me, you know, what do you do? At a very, very, very granular, very basic level, by definition, I'm pr- you can probably describe a lot of what I do as being a broker. I have a lot of buy side and sell side contacts. And my business is to put those two people together. But in that process, there's a lot of different ways to do that. And the generic kind of broker model, especially in the oil and gas business, and that's the unfortunate thing, because I think for years, people in this business that didn't have any operational experience, weren't classically trained as landmen, but just like knew some people were getting paid, you know, healthy six figures or seven figure uh, acquisition fees just for putting a deal together. And and those days in a lot of respects are gone. I mean, the, the days of being able to, you know, to, uh, so another example, and I know I'm, this is long winded, but, and then I want to circle back to some of the things that I've said, but just to paint another example, uh, I was in a deal recently where a, a contact called me out of the blue. I hadn't, hadn't networked with him before. We knew some mutual people. We're not connected on LinkedIn, he and I, but we were talking about a, a, an asset of some water rights in New Mexico. And we were talking about some of the mechanics. This guy was not in the water space, but he had found he had found a way to get in front of this asset owner, really valuable water rights. It was a sizable position. Um, just some high level context, just so I can get this clearly across. In, in water deals, some of the things that are really important are who are your neighbors around you who own those mineral rights uh, what quality of the water, you know, what quality is the water, whether it's, uh, you know, how, how much salt in it, et cetera, or other contaminants, and then how much volume you actually have to produce. So those are some some big high level things that are important. Um, and so in the context of the conversation, it became clear that the asset owner wanted about $2.1 million. And I'm showing full context because this deal won't, you know, there wouldn't be a way for you, uh, for anybody listening to this to know what I'm talking about here. The, the asset owner wanted about $2.1 million. The package was brought to me at $5 million. Now, stepping aside from market value for a second, whether whether or not the asset actually holds that value, I had a conversation, a very blunt and very open conversation with the broker on this deal. And it became apparent that his fee was going to be $2.9 million, regardless of the asset of the asset actual price. And so the owner wanting $2.1 million and then the broker bringing me the deal wanting $2.9 million, number one, there's no way that I can bring that to a buyer of mine because once the deal gets you know to the table and people know the numbers, they're gonna, they're gonna know that the guy owning the asset is making substantially less than the broker. That looks bad on me, it looks bad on the broker and also the asset owner is gonna find out. And you know, so, so number one, just from a business ethics perspective, I couldn't, I couldn't ever do that deal because just there's just no way. Uh, and I know you joke about you know wanting ten million dollars per deal, but I mean th- this is an actual like a broker's actually saying this as opposed to just saying it on a podcast in jest. Um, and I and I asked the broker, I said, you know, in conversation, if we realize that the asset is worth just about maybe half of what you think it's worth uh, because of some of those elements that I mentioned before, you know, are you willing to kind of stair step that or come come off that number? And the answer was no. It's it, that that's the number. I, I got control of this asset. I, I, I mean. Basically, he was saying to me, I need to, I need to make a huge amount of money on this. And like, and so those are two examples kind of, you know, on different sides of the spectrum of 
when I think about brokers, and it's and it's a very as you said as a lead in kind of in jest, but I mean it's very true that I have a very negative view because a lot of times. I find that brokers are the defect and the reason that deals don't get put together as opposed to being a reason that the consensus is actually made and, and providing the value that actually brings the deal together. And so, like I said, I know that was long winded, but what, you know, what's, what's, what's your thought after hearing that? Yeah. I mean, I think the couple things is one, um, your, your first story kind of reminded me of a deal one time I had where I knew the maximum I could pay for or something was, uh, you know, dollar figure, and I said, "Hey, to the to the broker, hey, take us to the to the seller and say this is the most I can pay." Now, there's a couple of different ways um, through the financing that we could have worked that out, but this is the max. Like at the end of the day, it can be this, and if that don't work, here's a few ways we can do this. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is what we pay. Take it to them and let them know this is it. So we did. We submitted um, paperwork, and they said they came back and said, "No, we're not, we're not, we're not doing that." And so I said, "I thought you asked them." I told you, like, I don't waste my time. If, 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 they, if they're not selling for this, then why this? Why waste the time of anyone? And he and he's like, oh well, you know, I guess that wasn't clear or whatever. And so I, I, I fired him. I then called up the person um, and said, hey, this is what I want to do. I said, oh yeah, we can do that. So if he would have just simply listened to the, I mean, and it wasn't like we were asking for a substantial. Um, you know, it wasn't like they wanted, you know, X or want fifty percent less. It was pretty it was, it was a fair offer, it just depending on how we structured it. Um, and there really should have been from the sell side any reason to object no matter how we wanted to structure it, because the money was the same. Um, and so for me it was kind of frustrating because it was like this was very, very simple. Very simple. And broker, if you would have just done this, you could have gotten paid. I would have been happy to pay you. Uh, but because you couldn't do it, then I got to step in and, and, and negotiate something very, very simple. Now, some of these things you're talking about are, are a little bit more complicated. But but the point is the same is that the communication of what actually is at stake and what, what the side that you're representing wants is critical. And you, you've heard me say this too. You've been offline on deals that we're working on. I'll call you and say, hey, uh, this is what I'm being asked. I don't want to say anything out of line. Let me make sure I understand what it is that you're saying here before I go and misrepresent you. Uh, because as you know, um, calling up someone and representing them and saying this is, um, you know, this is what they want to do, and you don't understand maybe uh, enough nuance about that, or you don't have a good explanation for why they want to do it, or whatever, can, you know, um, can, can can put a deal behind the eight ball. And so it feels like a lot of brokers aren't necessarily concerned. And I think one of the things you told me a while back, we were talking, and uh, you said, you know, if you want to be someone who just points, uh, you know, Ben and Nate in the room, give a contract, and then you guys work it out, there's nothing wrong with that. Just state that up front, but then your your cut of the deal needs to be appropriate to that. So if you just want to make an introduction, Nate, Ben, here you go. You guys figure it out. I made the introduction. I want a small fee based upon that. Um, okay, nothing wrong with that. But that, but but don't sit there and try to um, uh, engage in, in in contractual negotiations if you're not really interested in that. I think that's where a lot of brokers struggle because um, it's like the pipe deal with with South Africa. You know, one of the things with that it's very complicated. Is I'm not, it's not the space that I operate in, and so I don't know a lot of the technical specs about that. So I always had to have these conversations saying, well. Um, this is what we're doing, but this really isn't my um, my area of expertise. I don't know a lot about the technical aspects. I kind of have a good high level understanding of how to put the deal together, but um, but from, from that perspective, it's uh, it's very hard for me to to to, to work things out. Does, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, to your, to your point, I you know, in, in my day to day these days, I actually would prefer that a quote unquote broker 
gives me everything that they know, you know, everything that they know on a deal and lets me take it from, from a, to, you know, forward because I've you know, kind of dialed in a process and, and, and I understand the mechanics and also, you know, the, at a high level, I think my first example I'm painting that the game of telephone can kill deals. And I don't think that people really grasp that unless you've seen it in, in practice. Um, because, you know, and there have been, heck, there have been times where you and I have been in a meeting uh, or, or debriefed after one and you hurt like some, you know, the, the, other, the person on the other side of the table said something and you and I heard the same words, but took it completely differently. And so I'm not necessarily saying that brokers are like out there to, to kill deals on purpose or anything like that. It's, it's just about, you know, if I hear something and then I tell somebody else on the other side of the deal, that thing, unless I say it literally verbatim word for word, I'm telling the person something that I have interpreted, but I may have interpreted it completely wrong, and that may kill a deal. As opposed to if I have if I have the ability to let my ego go and and just step back, get the proper paperwork in place so that I know I'm going to be taken care of if it's successful, and I can bring you know if I bring an owner a landowner to let's say that I were to bring a landowner to R squared, okay, and you know they own they own fifty thousand acres and um, you know. Operator X is about to stake some wells, and and for some reason, like we're going to get in front of the landowner, and that's how you're going to get you know get the survey work. And the landowner is telling me X, Y, and Z. I don't know the, ver the vernacular. I don't know anything. So so if I'm turning around and telling you, I, I may be telling you most of the same things, but there might be some things that I just didn't frame correctly, and that's not necessarily my fault. But it is in the sense that I didn't just put you and the landowner together and have you guys talk about it and, and know that, like I said, if if I've done my job correctly, I've proved to myself that I'm going to put you know to the landowner, that I'm going to put him in the right room. I've proved to you that I can deliver you you know closing quality assets. And as long as it's papered up, my job in that scenario is just a step completely out of the way. Put you guys together and, and leave it leave it to you to sell your business or leave it to you to pitch it. And, and, and a lot of times I find that brokers, you know. Are are just kind of they, they stick their they stick their finger in, in in way too many things in terms of yeah you don't need to be a part of that conversation or I don't I, I don't need you to tell the customer or, or the client that. yeah yeah so it's interesting because I think about something I'm working on right now and it's it's a smaller uh, it's a smaller investment deal and um and, and one of the things that the people asked me they said is uh, I said I need access to a certain type of information and I said well you know we're not going to give that to you until um, you know, certain things are met and obligations. Blah, blah, blah. I said that. I said, listen. To be honest with you, um, that's fine. I actually can't interpret that type of data. It's above my capacity to read it. I don't actually need it, but someone else will. I just need to know that I can get access to it. And then when someone called me up, it was like, hey, I need to get access to data. Like, have you seen it? I'm like, no, I haven't seen it. And if I do see it, it's not going to do you any good. You need to have your own person read this because I can't interpret this type of information. And so I'm trying to be very clear to both sides that the only reason that this is relevant to me is because it's relevant to y'all. And then y'all need to figure out if it's actually, y'all agree upon what it says and it can meet these the standards. And so, um, but it feels like, you know, there's there's times where, where people come in and they say, oh, yeah, they, and they go try to interpret it. And it's like, well, that's, you know, that's not, I mean, I can't, I just can't do that. Because I don't I mean, one do of the first deals... Right. No, exactly. I mean, one of the first deals that you and I worked on together uh, was the South Africa pipe deal. And I remember vividly a number of times in those conversations, but one of the things I, I remember, it, it registered me with immediately, but one of the things I remember you saying basically on every single one of those calls is, I'm not the pipe guy. If you have technical questions about the pipe, I'm not your guy, but I know the guy that has those answers. And so if you give me those questions, I will get you in touch with the right person and, and I'll make that introduction if appropriate. And so, it, you know, and I, 
the person on the other side of the phone, as well as myself, I don't take that as okay. Well, you know, what is this person doing in the conversation? Or they're not, you know, they're not prime tech. It's it's owning that the things that you know and the things that you don't know, right? And if I don't know those, why am I going to try to make up the answer as opposed to let me just put you in touch with the person that's going to make that decision or has that answer for you? Uh, and and I, and I think that happens a lot sel- more seldom than you think. So maybe a good way to to put this out there would be is when you're going into a, a when you're going into broker a deal. Understand the things that you that you know or you can reasonably find out. So um, something that you may not know but you could find out is, you know, where is the nearest escrow, uh, the, the nearest title company closed or something, something very simple like that. There's a lot of stuff like that that you just don't know but you could find out pretty easy. But understanding, you know, geology or, you know, pipe specs or stuff like that, you're not – you're just probably not going to know those type of things. Um, the value is, is that there's other things inside of the deal that you are bringing and you have access to and putting side A and B together um, is important. And there's, there's also something to be said, Ben, there's sometimes where there's things that I know but um, and I understand, but my opinion on them isn't necessarily relevant. So, for instance, if Ben wants to go buy an asset, um, I might not like that asset. I might think the asset isn't doesn't fit my portfolio. It, I might... I might ask Ben why he's interested in this type of asset just to make sure I understand his thinking and he's not misguided. But if he goes, no, I like buying you know, houses in Benbrook, Texas, I'm like, why? Well, because I think 30 years from now they're going to be the most valuable houses in the world. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I don't personally – I'm not going to say this, but I personally don't think that. But Ben does, and it's really not my business at that point now if I know that one side's committing fraud or something like that. That's different. But um, And I think that's where some brokers get in trouble, too, is that they, they give too much of their opinion on things that's not really their business. So there's a there's a line there where if you know something, maybe it's bad information, or maybe you want to make sure your client doesn't you know goes and does a little bit more research or ways to nudge them. But sometimes they'll kill a deal because they're giving their input on stuff that's just not their business. It's not really relevant to what their job is, which is to broker the deal. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, so if I were to rephrase or, or, or coin another term instead of broker, I would almost go towards labeling, labeling it, you know, the peacemaker in a deal. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the role of a broker in a deal is to make sure that if both sides have an interest in getting the deal done, that the deal gets done. And, and, and a lot of times it's the literal, the opposite, mm-hmm. where the broker is the reason the deal doesn't get done, as opposed to and I, t- I tell people this in meetings all the time when I'm meeting with, with, a new, with a new client, whether that be on the buy or sell side. I tell people, I see my job is, depending on what side I'm talking to, getting you in the right room and, and putting the deal together. I don't ever want to be a reason that a deal doesn't come together. And that's, like how I, that's how I approach every single deal. And I think to a degree, you know, d- does that... You know, does that enable me to do more deal flow? Absolutely. But also, I think it ingratiates me to the people that I do network with because the, both on the buy and sell side, it, you know, at the end of the day, if the deal doesn't come together, it's because one of the two sides didn't, you know, didn't want to continue or, or whatnot. Whereas, you know, if I'm just the peacemaker and I'm cutting putting the parties together, you know, I, I, I can't be a, a friction point as opposed to you know being a help. And so that's kind of it's just a different way to look at it. You know, it's a different way to skin the same cat. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of think about it, and maybe this is has a little bit of redundancy built in there, but let me ask you this. So, um, advise, broker, consult. 
kind of those three terms are all kind of wrapped into this this process. Um, and depending on what you know, where you're at, and what you're doing, depends on where you kind of pull for those. So there's certain types of deals being that you're going to be able to consult on while you're brokering. Um, and some you're going to give uh, more of an advisor role, and some you're just so you got to you got to kind of parse it out and figure out. How much, like for instance, the, the bare knuckle stuff I talked about here, some, you know, working on the international stuff with that. Um, there is certain things I can tell the bare knuckle people about South Africa because I do have a little bit of experience there. There's a lot of things I, I just, I just, I, I don't need to open my mouth on because it's really outside of my, my wheelhouse. And I don't understand, you know, their long term vision the way that they do. Um, but I do want to help them. If they want to get to South Africa, then I want to help them do that while making sure that they understand. I don't want them to get down there and call me up and say, hey, you didn't tell me about X. And me know that X was potentially a problem. Um, but also, I don't want to just scare them off. So it's, it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag. I think you kind of, if you say you're just an advisor, or if you're just a consultant, or you're just a broker, or however you want to phrase that, all those actually kind of bleed together. And depending on how you view them, how you, you feel about them, um, may, may, may change your perception of that. Yeah, absolutely. The only caveat that I would give to that is, you know, if you have a if you have a client that you know that's a contracted client of yours, uh, you know, of of your own, uh, I would argue that you at that point have a fiduciary yes. duty and, yes, and a, a stronger duty to them. But if you are truly in the middle and you're trying to put a deal together, or in your in your role, if you are the representative for for a firm and you're trying to enter a new market and you have contacts on that side, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Yeah. There, right. There's a Venn diagram and we're trying to be right in the middle. Right. And it, it seems like what well, I think what we're kind of saying maybe different, a multiple, multitude of different ways is, is that um, too many people don't understand where, where their strengths are at in a particular deal. And they don't emphasize that because of fear of this, that, or the other. And, you know, one of the things that I try to tell people, I told the guy the other day, I said, listen, I think this is a deal we can close. We can work on, but, I, with that being said, I'm going to take this out to people. And if they don't like it, I only have so many people I know and I can't, I can't make them like it. Right. And so, and that's, you talk about setting expectation, but, but I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to get myself an out. I'm just being practical, which is I have a network, taking those people. If they like it, we're going to get it done. And if they don't, we're, we're, we're in a tough spot. So, I mean, this, this may be a little bit too personal, a little bit too close to the vest, but uh, you know, this is something that I, I don't have a problem sharing because uh, I, I doubt it would, uh, you know, it would have any ramifications here. So closed a pretty good, a pretty good sized deal in March or April last year, uh, mineral deal. We, we bought some minerals from an assistant dean of a university, and I had been sent the package from from one of the students at the university. I say students, he's, a, he's an older guy, and so I think he was at like a post BA or something like that. Um, but, uh, and this is a peek behind the curtain, but on this deal, we, we made a sizable amount of money, okay? It, it was a big package, everybody went home happy. Um, I, I, I knew, the student, the, you know, the guy that brought me the deal, I knew him just kind of sort of through somebody else. Okay. And the three of us were in this deal together. I made the executive decision um, rather than because all this guy did was he picked up the phone, he called me and he said, Hey, I have access to this, that, and the other thing. Do you want this? And I, and I happened to have already been working with a mineral buyer that I knew number one, like from the very first minute he took, he called me, I knew what we could sell it for and, or what, what I could get for it. And I knew who to take it to. So I knew it was a done deal as soon as he called. So it was a slam dunk. And so, and once, so once he told me the price, you know, I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, lock that up. Let's, let's, let's get it going. Um, we closed the deal about five weeks later. All that person did the entire time was he picked up the very, he picked up the phone the first time and called me and said, Hey, I have access to this. So it took him about 30 seconds. I took, I made the executive decision to split the fee 
three ways, okay, with the thought that if we can take care of this guy, he'll he'll remember that you know, on future deals, okay. Um, suffice it to say, it was a considerable six-figure number. It was- Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay. That's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. It was, it was a huge number that each of the three of us got. Okay. I would have expected that that would have, in some level, ingratiated me to him. To date... So I, I followed up with him two or three times after the fact, kind of trying to, what do you got going on, et cetera, whatever. To date, we have not actually ever worked on a deal together before um, since we have, I haven't seen any deal flow that he has, nothing. And so the reason I'm paint, the reason I'm using this specific example, and I'm not talking about it to, to, to boats or anything like that, but it's because the broker that brought me the deal, he brought me the deal, spent about 90 seconds of his time, made significant six figures, and then, candidly, was so jaded about the money that he didn't like. I don't think he's working. I, th- I think he took the money and, and is now doing other things. Or like, I, I mean, I, I happen to know that he traveled for a while. But you know, so, but it was people. I guess the, what I'm saying at the end of the day is people get really weird when you start talking about money and when you start bringing money into the equation. And so, it's not even necessarily when you're talking about brokers. It's not that they're necessarily looking out for you know, they want to make the most money or anything like that. It can really, it can be an ego thing. Cause I think the other piece of it is that since he was a student and he was just getting started in the business, he kind of had, he, I think he can't kind of got this mentality of, Oh, this is super easy. I can do this. No problem. Um, and, and I know that that was, that might be an improper example in some respects, but I think it paints the picture of, I mean, so, so when I say that I have a, a, you know, a colored opinion about brokers. I've been in this business enough and I've seen enough dynamics to kind of, and I could, I could tell stories for days, but when I see something like that, it kind of, it, it pings in my head that maybe there's a disconnect in terms of what, you know, what we're actually looking for at the end of the day. And I, and I saw your face, by the way, as I was telling that story, I think I told you that story offline before. Mm, no, um, I never yeah, heard it. Never but, heard it. But, but, but yes, I'm sorry that I'm sorry that you weren't the one because I know that if you were the one that had gotten that fee, we'd be doing a lot more. We, we would have done a lot more deals. Um, I mean, no, I, I just, was sitting there. No, no, I was sitting there thinking about how many times I've called you or something, and yet to date, you have never once said this is a slam dunk. I'm going to close it right now and give me a third. That that's really what was going through my head. Like, wow, huh? I need to call him more often. You just need better but, deal flow. But, yeah, but I need better deal flow. That's it's yeah. It's not you. It's me. It's not you, it's me. So, uh, no, no, you know, it's it's so interesting because you hear that story. It's like, wow, guy got a third six-figure deal, or he got six figures for for 60 to 90 seconds. Um, yeah, and that kind of transitioned into the, the second part of, I think, where we're going to go today, which is talking about success and you know, how you define success and kind of building a roadmap to, to, to success. And so... I'm just trying to walk through this. Again, you, you haven't told me this story offline, so I don't really know all the details. But, yeah, I'm just sitting there thinking if I was 21, 22, 23, whatever it is, and, and I close a deal like that, um, my immediate thought, and you know this about me, Ben, is one of the things that I work on all the time is I'm trying to up my network. I'm trying to get into bigger rooms that have more money, that have more connections. I'm, I'm working on that regularly. And so 
if you if, if the first time I'd met you back in April or whatever it was this year, we closed a deal. The last thing I think I would have done, unless you would have really hosed me, um, the last thing I would have done, which would, would kick you out, because you would have given me access to, I'd be like, oh, wow, this guy actually has access to, you know, deals that can close on the spot. Instead, what I've done is I've given you a lot of deals you can't close any, and I'm still with you. So maybe that guy, maybe that guy is smarter than me now that I, now that I, can, can you give me his number offline while I'm thinking? Can you just shoot me his in the, in the chat? Can you just? I'll, I'll, give, it to, I'll give it to you right now. <laughs> just, go, just go on the phone real quick. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, me and him need to have a little therapy session. But no, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> if, 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 if the camera picked it up, if it's, it's that it's, quick, it's, then you got it. I got it. Don't test Nate's heels. He'll be working on that all week. Um, but no, but you, you mean, and this, I'm, I'm not saying this as a, as a I'm, I'm more saying this to kind of get your opinion. One of the things that, 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 that I do is I try to get into the rooms that I can't get into. And there's, that's, that's very hard. The Lamborghini idea has haunted me since I've heard it. I'm not lying. I have told that to multiple people, the Lamborghini idea. I, cause I, I went home, I told my wife, I'm getting a Lambo. And she's like, you've lost your mind. I'm like, no, trust me, baby. I can turn 40. <laughs> thousand into 400k trust me no, no, no. hear me out <laughs> hear me out <laughs> yeah um so it's not me in that case it's her we're working on the terms of the negotiation right now but but no um but 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 when i heard that i'm not kidding you when i heard that i was like that's a way to get into rooms that you can't get into and i like being in those rooms because once i get in those rooms i'm confident that i can build rapport i can bring value in certain areas and do those things so it is weird to hear that story because I go, wow, okay. Now, if this would have been someone who was really established and they had a lot of money and they brought clout and prestige and they called you up and said, hey, you know anyone? I'm not saying they've been justified, but that would have made more sense because they, you know, they, they have a lot of money and they're like, oh, well, you know, I was doing you a favor and you didn't, you know, so I'm not saying they've been right, but I can at least understand that. So for me, that is a weird way to think because there are people that I know that um, I talk to them. Um, I like them. I don't have a problem with them. I talk to them. Um, I reach out to them more than they reach out to me because I'm trying to make sure I stay in their circle. I try to bring them value. I try to uh, try to get in front of them and, and, and give them give them things that I hope is valuable to them. Yeah. No. I, I mean, and it's it's one of those stories that I almost hesitated telling it on air only because like the story that I just told is pretty hard to believe. Um, unless like you're thinking, I bet some of the listeners are thinking, okay, there's more, there's more context there. There's, there's something behind the scenes, but I continue, I can tell you just open-handedly that, that, that there's, that there's not. And so the reason I bring it up, the reason I, I use that specific example was only to make the point that, and I'm, and I'm not letting you talk for a reason. <laughs> wait, <laughs> no, wait, wait, no, uh, no, 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 no. I feel like the extortion story needs to be inserted. Maybe to, to to are you are you sure are you sure that you want to tell that story? I don't. I didn't even think that you'd want to tell that story. Let me finish what I was saying first. No, but what, all I was going to say was that you know I think it's really it comes down to, and it sounds bad to say this on this podcast, but money makes people act really weird. It really does. You when you're talking, especially when you're talking about large sums of money, I think what it is is if people that people that are unfamiliar with that you know with that context and that fairway and you know haven't done a deal before or, or, or you know when I mean think about the first time that you looked at your bank account and you had five figures or six figures sitting in the in the account it's one of those things that's like 
Okay, it's you know it can make you act a little bit differently or, or feel a little bit differently, and and money has an interesting way of doing that. And so I think it was just really a bad combination of circumstances where he was kind of just graduating and thought he could go, go out mm. on his own. Like I said, he 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 traveled for about eight months. I mean, like you know, everybody does things differently. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to hammer the guy because he traveled, but it's it's more about you know just the the overall. You know, you spend ninety seconds on a phone call with somebody and you make. You know, significant six figures on that. I, to your point, I would think that that would be a contact that you would want to network more with, as opposed to just ghost. Even is, if you're mad at you, which I can fully understand that. Even if you're mad at you, um, at least you would keep the contact for maybe potential deal flow down the future and renegotiate the percentages then. So, do we want to talk about the extortion thing? I really didn't think you were going to bring it up, but I'm happy. I'm happy. Well, I mean, that was that I'm was curious. That was a, I had, like I told you offline, I had a I had a pretty rough week this uh, this past week, um, just on some personal stuff on a personal level. Um, that was like a highlight of my week. So, if you want to talk about, it, I am more than welcome. We we can we can go into it. I mean, do it, do it, <laughs> do it, do it. Uh, you know, did you, it's, had you did you tell did you tell Nate about it offline? No, he hasn't. No. He's holding out on me. And Nate's not even using his pop filter. That's how dedicated he is to this. Look at him. Uh, producer Nate over there. I'm going to leave the pop filter off. He's rolling, rolling the, the dice. So I think the extortion story needs to be told mainly because this might be, you said there's things that could be missing and this might be one of them. Something like this that happened. So this is story time with Uncle Ryan. Um, before before we get in, before we get into this, um, listeners, can we just remember that Ryan lives by the mantra, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. That's going to be really important as you listen to this uh, this little monologue he's going to go on. But with with that being said, Ryan, take the floor. Go ahead. What you got? Ben and I met at a baseball game, as we talked about many months ago now. We're both Red Sox fans. And um, we realized that the Red Sox would be coming to do a three-game tour of the Rangers. Um, in was it August? I believe. Yeah. And so Ben and I, uh, I don't know whose idea it was, probably Ben's, um, was like, hey, would you like to go all three games? I was like, that'd be awesome. He goes, my dad's coming in. Is that cool? I'm like, that's even better. Um, and I took my kids to the first night. So the first night, it was my three, uh, two of my kids, myself, Ben, and his dad. The next two days, it was Ben, his dad, and myself. Okay. So your boy over here took out a small loan from a loan shark and bought tickets to these games. And so... Um, Ben keeps like, when is, you know, when is, when are you going to tell me how much? And he did ask like half a time, half heartedly, like, hey, how much were the tickets? So I didn't want to tell him because to be quite honest with you, I, I, I wanted to give him a hard time about him not paying for the tickets. Like that was kind of, that was kind of part of the deal. You know, I, it wasn't a lot of money, you know, uh, for a guy like Ben. For me, my kids ate ramen noodles for three months, but that's, you know, whatever. Um, but it was worth the poking and ribbing at Ben. So we get to the games, and finally I say something. He's like, well, how much was it? And so we ran a quick total. and No, no, no. We didn't. No, no, no. I take that back. We didn't total up. Ben just sends me $750, right? Right? Am I getting this wrong? I think I said something. You just sent me I money. Mean, how, well, well, I mean, how accurate do we want the story to be? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. We, were sitting, we, were sitting, we were sitting at the game, and behind I said, home plate, behind home plate. Yeah. Behind oh, home great plate. seats. Great seats. Great we, we were seats. Ab- we, were absolutely, we were absolutely baking. It was great. Um, <laughs> I can't control the weather. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, we're, we're sitting at the third game, and I'm like, hey, how much do I owe you? And, and Ryan says, I don't know. And I say, well, that doesn't help me. How much do I owe you? And he says, send me what you think is right. 
And so I'm sitting at the game, didn't pull up anything. No, no, no. I, sent I had you sent you. No, I had sent you. I had sent you. See, this is where you, you, you liar. You did that. I, after no, the no, no, no. I had sent you the totals. I had sent you the totals. I will you, pull it up. No, I don't. Don't make me start pulling it up now. I had sent you the totals. Um, um, uh, before the series started. Okay, so. So, so, okay. So somewhere in between, he sent me the before the games or after, I think it was after, but I, but I just went on my before phone. Before like, you paid me, you had like, the totals. And, and okay. So I sent you $750 and I said, here's $750. If this is wrong, let me know and I'll pay the difference. Okay. You can keep going. Okay. This is a correction. It wasn't August. It was September. That's why it was, and it was still hot. I sent you these on 923. 923. I sent you all of the things. That's at least the first time I sent it. Maybe the second time, but at least the first, at least one time I sent you nine twenty three. So you can go look up the, the day of the games. Nine twenty three okay. is what to do the totals. Um, okay. You sent you the, the you, game. The games were twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Okay, so before the games, like I said, so you sit down and you get out your calculator and and you come up with seven fifty. Then you make me create Venmo, which I don't have, so I had to go through Venmo at the game and create Venmo. Finally, I get my money. And I'm like, 750 seems a little cheap. I thought it was like 900, but but whatever, um, or 950 or whatever it was, a thousand. I don't know. I was kind of give you a hard time about it, and I didn't really care. And last week, I made the mistake, and this is this is where I made the mistake. I made the mistake of bringing up the fact that I did run the numbers, and you owed me two hundred dollars. I made the mistake of that, and my hope was is to that, give that. That was that was your first mistake. First mistake. Keep going. Yeah. Really, if I didn't make that mistake, I'm still enjoying life. And so I calculated the money up. I was like, because you, you, we, we got to talk about the tickets. Like, you know, I paid you. I'm like, no, you didn't. So I ran the numbers. Like, no, you didn't pay me. Ha, ha, ha. You still owe me $200. And I was going to give you a hard time about the $200 for, for months and months and months and months. And I'm not kidding you, listeners. Within five minutes of getting off the phone, the Venmo dings. And Ben Samuels has sent me $200 titled extortion money. That's exactly what it said, extortion money in my Venmo account. So now I'm torn because I didn't want the money. I wanted to be able to to give him a hard time about not paying me the money. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to send him the money back. But the problem is when I send you the money back, I can't give you a hard time about about not paying me because you paid me and then I gave it back to you. So I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't do that. Um so then I thought, well, maybe I should just keep the money, but then I can't give you a hard time for not paying me either. So then I was like, well, I'm going to send him a dollar a day for 200 straight days. I had like all these little concoctions of how I was going to Venmo you this money back. And what I ultimately realized was is that you, you won. Like you won that one. And so when we talk about you and money, the listeners should understand that you have ways of extracting and extorting people through reverse extortion <laughs> that aren't known to the common man. So this poor fella who got a third will say, you know, I, I'm a little more sympathetic to him over my $200 that you reverse extorted out of me. That, did I miss so I anything? Told you, I told you. I told you as we were talking about it after the fact that that was easily the most the, the best two hundred dollars that I spent all year. I, I stand by that hundred percent. It ruined that, my that day. Two hundred dollars. It ruined my day. Just your day. Just the day. The therapist said I had to move on. Okay, and that cost me two hundred fifty dollars. So really, it was a lose lose proposition there. <laughs> so, but no, I mean it was. It was you know, listen, 
as someone who considers himself an extreme negotiator, a, a skilled and uh, negotiator, you got over on me in a manner that I did not know was humanly possible. So when you talk about this chap and he should have been happy and all this stuff, Ben, I, I have to say the listeners should know they're pro- you, you probably Jedi mind tricked him. These aren't the droids you're looking for, and uh, you know I'm, I'm just saying. I I, th- I think it's worth noting that someone is that is is in as close of a circle to me as you are. The fact that I was able to pull that off so seamlessly with you, it, like it, it was a proud moment. I, I, I still actually think about it because I, I, I was waiting for you to give me the credit because it took you a little while. You, you, I said it, and then I think it was like you, you like sent me the screenshot of the extortion. And then I think it was maybe like the next day. No, it was. Me know, like, it was later that day. I was walking to. Yeah, no, that. it was later that day. I was just walking to a meeting, and so like I saw it, and I was like, wow. And, but I was driving. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, it was. It took a little while for me to explain my frustration with you paying me back that two hundred dollars. But yes, but that um, was, I was a very proud moment because because you know I, I had completely blindsided you, and that that made you know like you said like someone that's you know prides themselves on on being able to see all you know see all hear all do all being able to you know kind of thread throw the that there. jab was. Thread that was good. I, like yeah. that. I, I enjoyed that one a lot actually. Yeah. That, so that was fun. so rule of thumb: don't try to extort Ben for money. Or pride, or picking at him, or anything, because it goes badly for you. That's that's a simple tip there. Tread carefully. I don't yeah. Know. So, so to the fellow that Ben screwed that third for but, millions of dollars over, I'm sorry. But if the but on the other side of the coin, if you want to spend ninety seconds and make six figures, call me. Then you owe me like Alec- hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Br- bring me yeah, an asset bring that's me worth asset. buying. Yeah, yeah. Bring yeah. me an asset that's worth buying. And then, yeah. you know, I I'm, 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 I'm not going to say what I want to say. We will move on to how to find success. Listen, if if you t- if you told me that I could like buy an equity stake in the Chinese government, I'd probably like I'd probably give you some money. I will not be commenting on this at this time. Let's that's move. secret. I'm go- I'm cutting that. <laughs> Ben, I mean, if you, if you, if you're giving up board seats to uh, you know to be next to uh, to the bushes, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I can give them. <laughs> Not worth anything, but I can give up all kinds of board seats. Um, we're getting ready to wrap up 2019, and 2020s are just around the corner. So, would you determine, or would you uh, say rather um, that 2019 has been a successful year for you? And if so, why? And the third thing is, like, how did you measure, like, maybe um, clarify for us going into 2019, kind of what you hoped to accomplish, and then did it manifest itself in that way, or was there other ways, or, you know, maybe you didn't hit one goal, but you accomplished something else that compensated for it, or, or, or vice versa? Yeah, wow. That, I mean, that's that's a loaded question. There's a lot there. Um, I can give you um, some brief, you know, uh, I think what... What Ryan is talking about is, you know, offline. You know, we've had a couple of conversations about, you know, the, the definition of what success. What, you know, what does success actually mean? Uh, you know, in our business, a lot of times, I think that people default to that being, you know, what's the number in the bank account or how many deals have I done? Those kind of things. Uh, and I think to a degree, you can get yourself in trouble when, when you're defining success in those in those terms and in those ways, because I think you kind of lose sight of of the true goal. Um, you know, uh, and, and not to say that if, if money is is the primary concern and driver that that's, that's a negative thing. But when I when I'm in business, you know, the, the thing 
the thing that I tell people, and this is kind of a long-winded and maybe not a direct answer to your question, but something that I tell people consistently is that I feel really, really very fortunate that I've been able to find something in business that, you know, not only do I think that I execute well and that, that I do well, but I genuinely enjoy. And so I genuinely enjoy every day of the week that, that I work. I mean, obviously there's there's heartaches and, and things that don't go right and, and terrible weeks and, 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 you know, deals that don't go, you know, don't close, etc. I mean, it's it's not all it's not all uh, puppies and rainbows, as they say. Um, but you know, I at a high level, I really enjoy what I do and, and, and enjoy the process. And so, you know, when I when I define success, it's less about you know the it's less about the end result as opposed to just the process. I tell people all the time. I started doing doing some. Oh, I don't want to call it life coaching, but I started doing some kind of business life coaching stuff on the side a little bit. One of the things that, that I that I really focus in those messages on is you know it's much more about the journey and about the process than it is about the end result. If you're a basketball fan, if you're a member or if you if you're a uh, especially a 76ers fan, trust the process as has been like their mantra for quite some time now. It's it's really about finding if you can find enjoyment and ways to to be effective and enjoy the things that you do on a daily basis, I'm very much of the opinion that the the rest will take care of itself. And so, if you're you know if you're, if you're treating people the right way and, and working every day to get in front of good deal flow and, and put people together, etc., you're going to close deals. And so, you know, without talking numbers, had a really successful 2019. Got into a couple of new markets that was really really interesting. You know, I had been in almost exclusively in terms of brokering deals in the energy space. I had been in almost exclusively mineral deals. Really, that was my focus in the last year or so. And, and, and the listeners have heard me talk about this quite some, um, quite a bit on the podcast in recent weeks. Um, you know, I started to really pivot into water and surface and, and really loving that process and kind of learning, you know, learning a new market, seeing what, the, you know, what that's looking like. Um, you're still still doing a, a stable of mineral deals and starting to to do some kind of business development consulting. That's a little bit different. So I've started doing that over the last uh, over the last year as well. That's been a main thrust of of my focus. And so I mean, I, you know, I had a, a wildly successful 2019, really by all, by all metrics. Uh, but but I re, re, the thing that I'll remember the most and the thing that means the most to me going into 2020 is, my is that I've really. Uh, if I, is I've really the, the, dialed the, in. Actually, actually, just, just to stop, just, you, just stop, just just. just. I mean, I don't want you to get too far off track for you mention that. So the thing that means most but I, is, but I was getting there next. Uh, okay. you, I mean, like, but this should be first. So like, like it should be first, not second. It's it's first in the list. <laughs> but the thing that the, the thing that no, seriously though, I mean he's 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 joking, but the thing that means the most to me about twenty nineteen is that I really feel like I have solidified my inner network with people that are big movers, people that um you know talk the same language, are are interested in in being uh, you know, being development partners long term, and that's really what I've been focusing on. Because again, if I'm doing the right things, putting the place pieces together, and putting the pieces in place, I'm very confident that the rest will come. Um, and, and so I'm really looking forward to 2020. 2020 is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I actually, now that we closed the deal on Friday, I wanted to take a couple of seconds because this is one of the few platforms that I have kind of out, outward bound marketing or, or, or outward bound reach. I want to take a, a couple seconds just to, uh, you know, so I've been working on a deal for, for a number of months now, just closed it on Friday, uh, picked up a, um, a, a sizable surface position in Northeastern Martin County, no minerals, just surface. But, uh, but if anybody is listening that has some contacts in the uh, water transfer, water well drilling, uh, midstream, you know, pipeline infrastructure, gas gathering, any, you know, slurry injection wells, landfill, any of these things. If you have a contact in the space or if you're interested in doing some development with your own firm, you know, please reach out to me. That's something that I I've, I now have and I'm looking to, to market, which is a little bit different 
different arm, uh, muscle for me because generally, uh, you know, I, I do deals and we've talked about it on the podcast, but I do a lot of my deals kind of behind closed doors and kind of behind the curtain because I generally have the buy side and, and, I, and I'm able to facilitate those. But this is going to be one of the first things that I'm going to be kind of soliciting outside business from. And so if you, if you have an interest in having a conversation, uh, reach out to me. Uh, you, you know how to get in touch with me. But that's my that's my 30 second elevator, elevator speech on trying to get some business directly from the podcast. Or if you need someone to broker that for you, reach out to me. I'm, I'll, I'll be sure to take care of you. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't. I Actually, wouldn't. I, I listen, should cut it, the extortion. Say, cut the extortion me, story out because I won't get no clients now. Cut the extortion story out because if if they hear the extortion story no, now, that I have no shot of getting anyone to call but me. It's up. funny. Let, let me let me say it this. <laughs> let me say it this way. If you are able to somehow miraculously get Ryan Ray on the phone to get your attention, and you want to send the deal flow through him to me, <laughs> more than welcome to pay Ryan. So so call him. But you probably you'll probably get you'll probably get pushed off the Nate. Yeah, he never picks up. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow, man. That's a shame. You, see, you didn't, you didn't see that turning on it's you, did you? It's a shame. It's a shame the clock's running out on this podcast. Yeah, it is a is shame. It, 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 this time, it's 325. Yeah, we're, we're up against the clock oh, here. I, no, I, I, no, I meant to, is it a shame, not, not is it running out. Oh, no, it's not really a shame. Don't let the facts. No, no, no. no. We need to get some shirts no. made up. This this hashtag, don't let the facts. We really, we really do. Yeah. yeah. We need I, that it. needs to happen. Yeah. Um, we, we actually, you know what? We should we should make those shirts and um, and put the like the, the running bulls in the back. We got to talk about that. I got an update on that. I need to send you offline, by the way. I forgot to email you. I forgot. See, uh, you're behind now. I, I already booked my ticket. I'm ready to go. Mm, yeah, that will be a tantalizing topic. See, I feel like so. So for the listeners, I feel like I, I I'm one of the few people that gets to call Ryan on his bluffs because I'm not really sure that Ryan was committed to going to this thing. And I don't think we talked about the podcast. Not really sure that that you were fully bought in because you had to, you told me that you had a number of people that you had asked and nobody wanted to do it with you. And so I think when you asked me, you expected me to be like, "No, I'm not into that." But but when I called you, I was like, "Yes, I'm doing it." Because now now you're the one we're waiting on. Do you feel like you had something to say? Would you like to share with the class? So, you know, <laughs> I didn't expect you to go because no one wants to go. I do have someone else who's already said they're going. I don't know if they're still in or not, but um, but yes, I have some folks that have, who said they're going to go. So I didn't. See, see I, thought it, I, I thought it was going to be a bonding trip or two. Like, why, you know, why are you inviting other people? What, what's You're this? getting invited to our trip. That's the confusion. Like we already oh. had a group and we're and then I like, hey, I need a I need a fifth wheel. And so I'm like, who should I bring? Um, I asked 47 people. They all said no. You're 48. So that's kind of how that devolved. Um, Man, I'm, I'm I was the 48th one on the list for the fifth wheel. That's rough. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's rough. That's rough. <laughs> we do need to talk about that. I need to send you the email that I got about that the other day. Uh, I'll try to go offline. Ben, anything else since you have ruined my day? Anything else before we get off here? I'm just I'm curious what uh, what the brokers of the world have to say about this podcast. Uh, if you're if you label yourself as a broker and you're listening to this and you're connected on LinkedIn, uh, shoot, shoot me a message. Let me know what you think. I'm curious. I'm mad at LinkedIn. I'm mad at LinkedIn. I put myself out there today. You yeah, did. What else, yeah. What else? Is there? Yeah, I'm mad at LinkedIn. We that needs to be a podcast discussion. How LinkedIn is ruining my life on a weekly basis. On a weekly See, basis. You, can we, can we talk? Can we talk about? Can we talk about the? No, can we talk no. About the response? No, it's three twenty-seven. We gotta go. It's three twenty-seven. I have nothing else to do, but I'm making up something because we're not get, we're not going there today. Oh. This was a good show for you. Brian, this, one of your better ones. This is a fun one. No, this is a good one. This was good I, for I you. This I hope we you enjoyed it. Brian, we should we should do this more often. It's almost like we should do this weekly. Almost, almost. 
So, Ben, people want to get extorted from you. Where can they find you? Uh, same old place. LinkedIn is my home. Um, yeah, that's the easiest way. I mean, I can spout off emails and phone numbers, but LinkedIn. We'll put his LinkedIn page in the show notes. Um, and I will be moping around this week after Ben's ruined my day. So, um, be back next week. Hopefully recharged and revitalized and, and ready to go. I should have brought the extortion story up. It went downhill from there. Like, that was, you know... I was, see, and we're going to talk about later. Listeners, we'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, What happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay. That's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, your... heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Well, everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. <sighs> okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection.